Welcome to Learning Through Math, the podcast. I'm Laura at I Teach the Why. I'm Karina at Mrs. Cousins 5. Our mission is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion. And hugs. You can find us at learningthroughmath.com and on Twitter at Laura and Karina. Come and join us on this journey of learning. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this at the end of October 2022. And welcome to episode 91, How Can We Use Precise Mathematical Language? First, we want to give a shout out to a new friend that we have on Twitter, Sasha Wise at SWise underscore BC. She said, I have been meaning to let you, both of us, know how much I have enjoyed listening to your podcast, Learning Through Math this school year. The October 1st podcast really resonated with me when I listened to it on the 14th, only five weeks in school. Aw, nice. Thanks for sharing that, Sasha. We can't wait to hear more from you. Absolutely. That's awesome. So I have a reflection for this week. Yes. It was, remember when we were talking about the Mastering Math Manipulatives book? I think it was on last week's episode. And I, yeah. I could have sworn I had a K2 and a 3-5 book. Well, no, I went to school, uh, you know, the next Monday. And I looked and no, it was a K3 book. So I'm not going crazy. Because I remember I was looking online. I was like, I could have sworn. What, why is there a K3 and a 4-8? I don't think I have the 4-8. And I don't. I have the K3. <laughs> book. So uh, I'll link that book to the show notes again so that if people want to look at that and go back and listen to the previous episode, they can. Nice. And the show notes are available on the bottom when you listen to a podcast. It's like below in the description, but it's also on our website, learningthroughmath.com. All right. And I have some good news for this week. Oh, good. I I was sitting with a student while she was finishing her test. I was she has, you know, read allowable items, so I was reading her the questions and she was kind of like talking through her thinking for a question and she was she was stuck on this question and she wrote 3 and 6 tenths as her answer was open open response. She wrote 3 and 6 tenths and she's like, "I know this is wrong, but I'm just going to go I'm just going to write this." What? And I said <laughs> I said to her, I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait. If you know it's wrong, why are you writing it?" She's like, because I don't know what else to do. So, okay. So this is where, so this is where we are, right? Like this is, so a kid who knows it's the wrong answer, but will just put it in because she doesn't have anything else that she, she had no idea. And I'm like, okay, pause for a second. (laughs) If you know it's the wrong answer, please don't put it in. Like, just don't, don't, don't do that. I'm like, really think about think about what else you can do like look around the classroom there's there's got to be something that you can that can spark your your memory as to what you what you remember or another strategy that you can use like there's got to be something so she sat there for a little bit and she, well first she skipped the question she like left it went to something else which okay. I'm like great let's just skip it for now come back to it wait when was she it, got back I was wondering was it decimal multiplication yeah so she comes back to the question and and then just just like that she was able to think of it and I don't even now I don't even remember yep. what it was that she thought but she like she thought of it a different she like completely redid it thought of it some another way and and got there and got the right answer. And I said to her, I said, I'm I'm so proud of what you just did. I'm so proud that you struggled and you got 
out of it and you made it to the other side. And I didn't want her to change her answer. So I said, don't touch this now. <laughs> because I knew she had gotten the right answer. And I'm like, okay, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> uh, but she but she got and I stopped her and I said, you know, like, look at what you just did. You you didn't know. You struggled. This is what it it's all about. This is learning. This is math. This is what I want to see. And I'm so proud of you. And she's like, but that was so hard. I didn't like that. And I said, right, but that's that's what learning is. That's what that's what learning is. It's the struggle and it's the trying to make sense of it. And that's what you just did. You just made sense of it. So right. in the end, it was all very good, but it was, ooh, it really was rocky, like going through it. And I could tell she was she she just her like mechanism was just to give up you know like that was that was what she was just going to do that's it not worth it i'm done i'm just going to write this even though i know it's the wrong answer you know what else boggles my mind when it's a multiple choice and the kids calculate it wrong and they have some answer yeah. but they just pick the one that's closest to whatever they got as their calculation i'm like but that wasn't even your answer How- what did I tell you the eggs story? No, with the puzzle. I don't think so. Okay, I have to. I'm going to share this one for some good news. I had to cover a pair of professionals lunch. Yeah, last week or the week before, and in one of our ASD units, right? And I, when I walked in and she walked out, I said to the teacher, "Okay, I'm here. Use me. Don't you know? I just don't want to look at children." So she put me at a center, which the speech teacher was going to do. Which I, I mean, I this is year 31. I understand the intent behind things. So she hands me this puzzle, and it has to do with a farm, and it had a spinner, and then you had to collect the pieces, and it was. Like we all had to collect eggs, flowers, a farmer, gosh, it was a fruit, a vegetable, and something else. I don't even remember what it was. Okay. A, a baked good. That's oh, what it okay. was. And so, you know, you're spinning on the spinner. Yeah. And th- this one group that I'm playing with, um, somebody won. And I said, oh, good. Well, you can just start again. So I put out all the pieces and and that kid starts again. And then this other kid wins and then crying ensues. And I'm like, no, 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 this, right. this isn't the whole thing. But as I'm spinning, you know, the, the very last one that I need is eggs. And I just, I kept not spinning and getting on eggs. So the, the time ends, new group starts. And this other kid who was on his computer program, Mm-hmm. He was like, "Oh, I'm gonna be with you next," and I was like, "Oh, well, she's back, and I'm gonna leave." And the look on his face was—I said, "No, no, no, I'll stay, no problem." So I get him and another kid, and we go to the carpet because the other kids were staying at their spot with their computers. And I spin, and after a few a few tries, I landed on eggs. Now, remember, this is a whole new game, a whole new everything. Right. And right. so I said eggs like to me nothing even registered and that kid said the one who was on the computer the whole first round that I was playing he goes you finally got eggs (laughs) I finally got eggs all the adults in the room we all just burst out laughing because kids are always listening whether they're next to you or not I'm thinking, wait, you should have been on your computer program, not paying attention to what I was doing with the yeah. other group. But 
It was so funny. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was like, you're right. I finally got eggs, you know? <laughs> 20 minutes later, I finally got eggs. Finally got eggs. I wonder if there's like a – there has to be a statistical problem in there too, right? There like, really like, does. The probability, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. the, the flick of my finger and where the spinner leaves off with the previous kid. And <laughs> there's right. so much math in there. Yeah, these there were, is. I think, second and third graders. So I didn't go into probability so then <laughs> and there. Okay. <laughs> I'll never forget that. You finally got eggs. You finally got eggs. <laughs> all right. What are we talking oh about in today's episode? All right. So it's all about precise mathematical language. It's it's kind of been uh, something that keeps, keeps popping its head up this week um, and the previous week for me. So... Here's what happened in my class. We are multiplying decimals. Okay. And of course, we're talking about different ways, different ideas of how to, how to do it. And um, one student raises her hand and she's like, well, actually, I, I, I've been noticing something with decimals. And I'm like, oh, great. Right. And I literally- Patterns and structure. <laughs> right? <like>, yes. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. And I so I sit down on my stool and I'm like, "Ooh, this is going to be good. What what you got? What you got?" Oh no. And she says, she says, "Well, I I know that if you if you multiply and then and then you scoop it, then you can count the decimals and then and then that's that's how you can get your answer." And my dad showed me that. And I'm like, "Oh, so <laughs> what a letdown that was." <laughs> oh. So it wasn't you're noticing at all. This was just a trick that your dad showed you. <sighs> so that this is where at this point I'm like, oh, okay. So that's really cool. But scoops have nothing to do with mathematics. Like scoops are not mathematical. Scoops are for but, ice cream. <laughs> but estimating, estimating is mathematical. So we're going to talk about the mathematics of it because – and then I and I backed it up with the why, right? Why we're not going to talk about scoops. So then I I pulled up. I'm like, okay, let me think about a question where scooping would not work, uh -huh. right? And I'm thinking more of like a, a multiple choice kind of multi-select kind of question where find the correct answer or even a multiple choice, find the correct answer. And because I have seen this on, on assessments before. So let's say you have a problem like five and four tenths times six and five tenths. Yep. So when uh, you know exactly where I'm going with this, I Laura know. already knows. Same Laura already knows. It. Go ahead. Yep. So when you multiply, you get the digits. Now I'm taking I'm taking the decimal out. You just get the digits when you multiply 54 times 65, right? You get the digits 3510. On an assessment, when they write it down, like which equation is true, they would write something like five and four tenths times six and five tenths is equal to 35 and one tenth. I knew it. I knew. So I, I told this girl, I said, if you see something like this, you would scoop and you would scoop, right? Scoop the five and four tenths, scoop the six and five tenths, and then scoop twice and say, oh, that's the wrong answer. It's three and 51 hundredths. Right. It should be three and 51 hundredths. <sighs> so this is where I told her, listen, scooping is can work. It, it can work, but it doesn't always work. So estimating works every time. It's going to help you every single time to place the decimal. So I would rather that you use something like estimating, which is mathematical, 
which is not, you know, a scoop is not mathematic. So I'd rather you use something that that works every time as opposed to something that only works sometimes. And she's like, well, can I still use it to like check my work? I'm like, of course. Yeah, go ahead. Go for it. Right. And then some other kid is like, what is she even talking about? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I thank God he doesn't know. Right. right? (laughs) I looked over at him and I said, don't worry about it. It's okay. It's not, it's, it's not something you need to know. So we're just going to, we're just going to move past that. So I think that it's important communicate this with parents too on on curriculum nights, on things like that, on on open house nights, because those, those tricks don't work in every situation. As math becomes more complex, they're going to see, right. And as answers and test tests are developed to become more more difficult and trickier. Kids need to do the math and not just do tricks. Right. As soon as you said when when it was five and four tenths and then you said six and, I was like, she's going to end up telling me it's going to be five tenths. I knew it. Yeah. I knew there was going to be a zero involved. Right. Of course, because that's where it would just be dropped. Yep. And not it's not something that's always recorded right but if a kid looks at a problem like that even with the dropped zero and it's just the digits three five one right and where does the decimal go in that if they've estimated they can see that five times six is 30 so your answer is going to be around 30 so the only place the only place that that decimal makes sense is if if you place it between the five and the one, right? If you if you have thirty five and one tenth, because if not, if you have it to the right of one, then that's three hundred fifty one. That's way too large, way too big. If you have if you place it in front, it's just three, and five times six can't be three, right? You know. So anyway, it's just making sense of it. And I think, I think it, listen, it was a good conversation. It always happens every year, right? Someone's going to be scooping. <laughs> right. But and then they will continue to get those wrong. <laughs> right. Because they don't make sense of it. Yep. They're just counting scoops. This story didn't happen this week, but it's definitely happened in the past. And it, every grade level, right? We, the, the teachers talk about bigger numbers, and I'm like, no, they're greater, greater. Or, or less, mm-hmm. right? And and then I write, you know, like a huge two and a tiny eight. And I say, yes. well, two is bigger than eight. So what do you mean? And they're like, no, that's not what I mean. I'm like, I know what you mean. You mean that right. eight is greater than two or yeah. two is less than eight. And I, I mean, I, I think I told this on the podcast when we were doing the PD when I got to have that hour with everybody last week or the week before or whenever it was, time is meaningless now, right? That if you make a number line and the arrows at the end of the number line are the less than and greater than symbol. And if you teach kids to write numbers on a number line, and then you can teach them, oh, this is closer to that symbol. So that is less than that, or this is greater than that, right? I don't even think that I was being precise. I think I said I slipped up and said larger number when I was just talking about it. So again, you did. It's so I, easy. I heard you, but you said greater or larger, and I was like, "All right, well." <laughs> but it's but it's true. It's like even in the English language, right? We've talked about this, like something that is less than exactly. You say smaller. 
You say smaller. You do. We don't have the right word for it. We don't. We don't. We need we need more language. We need more descriptors. Mm-hmm. When I was doing Wonder Wednesday this past week, I was using Steve Wyborny's estimation clipboard. And right now it's one with how long is the string. Yeah. And so last week it was 23 inches. And this week it's shorter than that. So I... I mean, it's live on air, right? That I'm doing the announcements for the kids. And I said, oh, is it? And I paused because I had to grab the words shorter or longer, not bigger or smaller, right? Yes. (laughs) So yeah, I, I had to stop and think as well. Yeah. And and there and there's times where I have to do that in class as well. And I have to just don't want to say this, or if I do say it. I, if I do say it, I have to say, no, 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 that's not what I mean. I don't mean – and I, I have said that before. I don't mean bigger because bigger can just mean this. Right. I mean like I can write a big eight and a small eight next to each other. Right. Right? But I, I do mean greater. So we just have – I think we have to also model that for kids. Right. Because it is so easy to fall into that that trap of of now I don't, I'm not using the right language. And maybe it's more and less – but there's not a more-er. There is right. a lesser, but there <laughs> and then least. So what's more than more? Morest. <laughs> right? We need more-er and oh, more yeah. Like, Yeah. There's no comparative and superlative words for more. Greater and greatest, but yeah, no, not not more than. Right? Yeah. yeah we, we, miss, we need yeah. some new words. We do. <laughs> And then, of course, there's the typical, because now I'm seeing it, uh, you know, constantly since we're multiplying decimals, but add a zero when you multiply by 10. This happened to me last week when I was with a fifth grade class or a fourth grade class, and I put plus zero on the board. So I do too. So I want to know your next steps. What do you do next then? Because of course the kids are like, that's not what I mean, right? And I say, I know that's not what you mean, but that's what you said. So what do you actually mean? (laughs) <laughs> and then I make okay. them that then they don't know what to say. Correct. So right. So now what? So now tell me the now what? Okay. So at that point, I say you mean. Let's say it was. Um, you know, let, let me write down a problem here. Let's do five times seventy. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so they'll say, oh, well, I just take the five and the seven and I multiply them and then I add a zero on the end. So I write on the board thirty-five plus zero. Yes. And same. they say. No, that's not what what I mean. I said, well, what do you mean? And they said, I don't know what I mean, right? Yes, yes. So I write on the board underneath. I said, what I say is, what I think you mean is you do five times seven times 10 and you're doing five times seven, which is 35 and 35 times 10 is 350. And they're like, yes, that's what I mean. So I either say it like that or I'll say, well, five times seven is 35 and you're scaling it up by a factor of 10. I'm just giving them those words because they don't, yeah. they've never heard those words before. Right. Right. So if I say it over and over and over again, it might become part of their vocabulary, but I still hear teachers say add a zero and oh, I'm trying uh, to break, break them of that house. Yes. Right. A hundred percent. So what I say, because we talk about shifting digits a yeah. lot in fifth grade. So I will say, okay, if we know that five times seven is 35, 
then we need and and we know we're like you said we're we're going to make this ten times greater, greater, right? Then I have to shift these digits over. So we're going from the tens place to now the hundreds place. So the 30 now becomes a 300 and fives in the ones place. We're shifting it over to the left to the tens place. So I say at that point, I say, and I place a zero in the ones place because we don't have any more ones. Is that what you say? Yes. And then there's a zero, right? There's a zero here. And you can even say like, the zero was always there in the I've I've told them this in the tenth place. It was always there. We're also shifting that over, right? You're shifting all the digits over. Like everything is shifting over. So the zeros go on till infinity on both sides and everything is shifting over. So that's good. Oh, I never thought about that. Right. Because because they're there. I think that that's one part one problem the kids have is that they don't realize that there's zeros everywhere else. It's understood, right? Yes. 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 Just like when we say come here, the the subject you is understood that we mean you come here. Right. Or understood that when I have the number 5, there's a decimal at the end of it, right? Or on the right of it. And when we start talking about decimals, I tell them this has always been here. We just save the ink and we don't write it, right? But five is equivalent to five and zero tenths, five and zero hundredths, five and zero thousandths. Yeah. Yes. Now, this was also rule number one that expires in 13 rules that expire in that article, which you you and I both love Mm -hmm. and uh, is a must read if you haven't read that one yet. We'll link it to the show notes. But I, I also pulled out Karen Barb and Sarah's book, The Math Pact, Achieving Instructional Coherence Within and Across Grades. And this is the elementary edition. It's available from Corwin Press, and it was put out by NCTM. So I went to their page 80, where it has the rule that expires. It has expiration details and then a suggested alternative. Okay. So the rule that expires says when you multiply a number by 10, just put a zero on the end of the number. Um, you People, you can go in and read the expiration details, but it's what we've been talking about. And the suggested alternatives that they have says, again, the key here is to develop students' reason and develop the number sense to know when their answers are, are reasonable. As with many of the other RTEs, rules that expire, It is best just not to teach this rule. What is preferred is to let students identify this pattern if they notice it, and then you can treat their conjecture just like others that students make. You first test it with a variety of numbers, then you can create the needed boundaries by asking them if this pattern will work with non-examples such as one half multiplied by 10. So really, it's letting the kids do the thinking and the wondering and the noticing just like we right. want to do everything else. Right. So I mean I'm I'm really picturing like writing down 5 times 7 equals 35, 5 times 70 equals 350, 5 times 700 equals 3500, right? And saying what what are you noticing, right? Because if we count the number of zeros, then that's even better than is that better? It no, like as a pattern. Well, Right. And then where they get stuck, let's go back to your, forget the decimal point, but the five times six is 30. And then they forget about that zero in the 30. Right. Right. So that actually comes up in fourth grade 
with patterns of multiplying by tens, hundred, and thousand. So what you just said, that would be a review from fourth grade, which again, if they were taught it as a rule, then. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, we've really got to get to the third and fourth grade teachers. That's who we Yeah, got. because – and you have to find something – another way of saying it because even counting zeros, that's not going to work either nope. because like you just said, we have that 30 or anything that ends with a zero, yep. four times five, um, five, any of the fives, five times five times any even number, you're going to have a problem. Yeah, yeah. true. I, so I, I was also thinking about this because Julie Dixon just released a blog not too long ago and – it was about, or she wrote, reinventing mathematics intervention. And mm-hmm. it's all about using that precise language, right? Like when we would say, when we use the standard algorithm and we teach the standard algorithm, you might say something like this, right? Two times six is 12, put down the two and carry the mm-hmm. one. Two times eight is, right? And so all of these things, well, carry isn't something that is mathematical, right? Putting down a number and putting it up is not mathematical. Put down the zero, put up the... So you definitely read that block if you if you don't know what I'm talking about. We'll link it to and, the show notes. Yeah. And then if you scroll later on, she says, consider this difference. And then she's written in this gray box, this huge explanation of what it means to multiply 486 by 12, right? Which also goes to show you how complex the standard algorithm is. And when students have a hard time with it, it's not just because they don't listen and they don't want to do what you're telling them to do. It's because it is a lot of, there's a lot of complexities in it. Yep. Uh, And the way that she says is it, again, when we're in an intervention group, it's not about saying it's slower and louder to kids. It's about saying it in different ways. So the way that she says it, I mean, I'll be honest with you. When I read it the first time, I skipped through it because it was so so much math talk, right? So I'll just read a little bit of it. I'm multiplying 486 by 12. I think of 12 as two ones and one 10. I start by multiplying 486 by two. Two groups of six ones is 12 ones. That can be regrouped as one 10 and two ones. I record the two in the ones place and I record the one 10 in the tens column to combine with the tens after I multiply them. Oh my God, like already? My brain is overloaded with all the ones and tens and what what I have to keep track of, right? Yep. yep. But that's that's good instruction. That is that is what's happening. And when kids don't understand what's happening, we do have to we have to break it down in a way that yes, does sound more complex, but is mathematical. That's why I love partial products. Oh, yes. Because you're not bringing down, putting up, right? Right. You're, <laughs> right. you're just and then adding writing. these, and then whatever. You're just writing, which we know is the the step before standard algorithm, right? Right. So it's a great read if you haven't read it. It's it's fantastic. Please do read that blog that she wrote, and it's it's good to think about, right? Is that when we want to be more clear, mm-hmm. it might take more more language. To be more clear. More precise mathematical language, right? Yes. More precise mathematical language. Okay, listeners, we want to know how can you use more precise mathematical language in your classroom? Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag learningthroughmath. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you too.